A Chip's Edge by A.C. Danvers Chapter 2 The four and three coasted gently through space, the planet below slowly shrinking behind as it glided towards its destination. Inside, the crew aboard the bridge, still in stunned silence, were joined by a bedraggled-looking Alvis, his feathers ruffled by the experience of trying to calm a cargo bay full of passengers after the experience of a high-velocity ascent through the atmosphere. They glanced at each other, then at the now unconscious Silla. Then the crew turned their eyes in unison to the captain. At last, Simon was the first to speak. What the heck was that? Going to have to second the kid's request. Just what the heck happened down here? Alvis asserted, an air of grumpy exasperation in his voice. Isla remained placid, but kept her eyes intent on the captain. Three stopped short of a who-me expression on their face, turning instead to a thoughtful one. It would seem that our new guest has some hidden talents. Perhaps we'd best just ask her. Three glanced in the direction of Silla, whose eyes were just beginning to open. She rubbed her temple with one paw and glanced around the bridge to find every eye on it locked on her. She shifted nervously, hunching her shoulders apologetically in response to their gaze. Good morning, the captain intoned, with a kind irony. Sila winced and sighed. I, I guess you're all wondering what that was back there. Her tone was resigned to the inevitability of the conversation she was about to have. That does seem to be the topic of the moment, yes. Three glanced around to the crew, who all gave awkward but confirming nods. I think it's time you tell us why you're here. Right. She paused, preparing herself. It's complicated, but I guess I owe you. Without this ship, I'd be in a cell right now, and that's if I was exceedingly lucky. Y'all have a right to know what I just brought on board. Simon cocked his head, his ears perking and whiskers twitching in curiosity. Alvis' chest sank. This is more than a local disc-pat scuffle, isn't it? The captain inquired, their eyes sharpening slightly with concern. Yes. She cradled her face in her paws for a moment, then continued. I was born on Calix. My parents were brought to the colony as runners, couriers between mining outposts too hard to reach by land. Any kind of learning except how to push a cart or hold a mining laser is hard to come by on Calix, but they worked hard, managed to save enough to get me an education so I wouldn't have to run like they did. I never got on well with the other kids in school, but I did get on with computers, well enough to get noticed for it. My parents didn't have enough money to send me off-world to uni or at least to greener pastures, but my computer skills did get me a job in the colony management office. The work was good, I got good pay, health credits, my own place in the capital. I could never quite clip with the corpse speak enough to get into management, but that meant more time with the computer and less time in meetings. My parents, though, 
Sila sighed, pain in her voice. Rabbits can't run forever. They got too slow to run, but running's a good job and should have left enough of a rest fund, but somehow their debts always seem to run faster than their pay. Then Dad got sick and... Her voice broke, her eyes tearing up at the memory. Three regarded her with a furrowed brow and caring eyes. They leaned in closer, resting their arms on their thighs. It's okay, they said. These stories are never easy, as you can. Silla wiped her eyes with a forearm and sniffled. Thank you. She paused and took a breath trying to relocate her track in the story and steal herself for the words coming next. Dad didn't make it. Not enough health credits for the treatment, they said. Her sorrow turned to bitterness as the words fell from her mouth. Bastards, Isla hissed in a tone that said this was personal. If I could take a bite out of every charge master's throat... She stopped herself, silenced by a quick glance from Alvis, telling her this was not the time. Sila continued. Something didn't seem right. My parents lived pretty simply. Wasn't much use for a lot of stuff when you're always running anyway, was Dad's outlook. And how could they go from saving enough for me to go to school to having to borrow from the company store just to eat? I couldn't make sense of it, so I went digging. I started looking through mom and dad's finances first. Very quickly, something wasn't adding up, literally. The amount they were spending and the debt actually accrued and compounded simply didn't match the interest rates according to the books. I had access to the whole company database and same thing. The whole debt system was spitting out phony numbers. These rates are fixed by corporate policy. Local colonies shouldn't be able to change them except by specific request, but there's none logged or approved. I experimented with making a few phony buys on credits, and that's when I realized something in the system is intercepting it and fudging the numbers before it goes to official records. I dig into the accounting source code and the company balance sheet, and that's when I see it. The bombshell. The Calix colony has not been profitable in 20 years. They've been hemorrhaging money for even longer. The mines haven't been producing nearly what they projected, and the rest of the missing money was mostly siphoned off down black holes that conveniently match sudden windfalls for the local administrators. To cover it up and make the books balance, they've simply been jacking up the accrued interest of every colonist on the planet and then counting the full value of the debt as an asset future to offset the massive losses. Shit. The word was heavy in Elvis's mouth. His feathers ruffled and he shook his head, his mind anticipating already what Sila was about to say and the massive amount of shit she was in. More surprises. Sila continued, disregarding the interruption. So... I fixed it. God damn it. Alvis interjected again, rubbing his temples in horrified resignation. 
What do you mean you fixed it? Simon inquired, clearly a bit lost. I mean, I fixed the bug. I wrote a script to snatch the administrator's credentials, lock him out, remove the code that was fudging the debt balances, wipe the bogus debt, rebalance the books to match actual revenues and assets of the colony, then delete the old data and itself so the phony books couldn't be quickly recreated. And then I scheduled the script to run on inspection day. The words hung in the air for a moment. Isla gave a proud grin. Elvis shook his head. Simon's pupils widened, his jaw agape in admiring surprise. Three put it together with a one-sided smile. Ensuring that our new friend Director Thrax would arrive to find a colony in financial disarray and clearly in need of new management. It's a risky bet, kid. It was the only one I had to play. I couldn't let them get away with it. She steeled her jaw. Not after Dad. I had it all timed out so I could get to the port and be on board a ship before the script triggered and did its magic, but, well, you know what they say about time and computers. Oh, no, Simon intoned, almost involuntarily. The crew looked on quizzically as Simon and Silva shared a sigh of shared engineering trauma. Calix time is hella weird. And I miscalculated the leap time for the irregular day, so the script went off too early. The admin office was already in a panic by the time I got up, had decided to blame the girl who was smart with computers by the time I was packed, and the dispats were ready with an arrest order by the time I reached the port. I had to jump the damn turnstile to get through the terminal. Hells, you're lucky this is just some mining backwater, Alvis remarked in shock. Any place bigger, they'd have shot you on sight for that. Silva shrank for a moment, slightly chastened by the thought. I just ran. I may not have my parents' speed, but I was still born from runners. The dispats were right behind me, and the damn inspection ship apparently decided to arrive early, too. I just bolted for the first ship that looked safe. And there we were, right in the nick of time. Three intoned with a smile. Yeah, I guess maybe I am lucky sometimes, Sila laughed. But what is this? Simon asked, holding up the memory stick. Sila sighed. That was supposed to be my insurance policy. Complete records of both the real and the phony books. The administrator's hidden accounts, the source code to their little bug... All of it. The plan was to get clear and drop that little present at the nearest system office, hoping the corporation would be more interested in massive accounting fraud than the little minor hack that brought it to their attention. But, well, you've seen how my plans go. She glanced around at the crew, apologetic but also weighing in her mind still if she'd made the right call. Look, I'm not dumb. She said, her voice pleading, defensive, one eye on Elvis. I was prepared to go down for this, but I couldn't take a bunch of strangers down with me. I figured the data would at least get the inspector off our backs long enough to get space side, but 
that was my last chip. Who knows what he'll do from here? Three nodded, understanding on their face. System office gets a drop like that, they'll only see dollar signs, and heads roll, the bigger the better. Some local middle manager on a power trip like Thrax, he's liable to shoot the messenger to save on paperwork. Inspectors are not known for their big picture thinking. Yeah. Silla trailed off, her ears flat, the uncertainty of her fate now finally coming to weigh on her shoulders. The whole day's actions, months of work, her payback could be for nothing now that the data was in Thrax's hands. Would the inspector just turn it over to the colony? She shuddered. One last thing. The fire? Three inquired. Celia chuckled and allowed herself a little smile. The one damn thing that actually did go off on time. Just a little pyrotechnics. All flash, no real danger. I used to volunteer to do the annual founding festival fireworks. It was supposed to be the distraction in case my script got discovered before I could finish. Guess at least that worked out. For a terrible, reckless, dangerous plan, you sure put a lot of thought into it, Alvis remarked flatly. Silla lowered her head and rubbed the back of it with her paw, an embarrassed smile on her face. As she raised it again, she caught Simon's eyes for a moment. He looked as if he'd just seen her do a double backflip. She glanced away quickly, her, but her cheeks flushed at the attention. Three regarded her thoughtfully, then glanced around at their crew, taking a silent vote by each crew member's reaction. Isla and Simon were clearly impressed, but Alvin seemed restless, hesitant, as if weighing the risks in his mind and not liking the odds. He might need some convincing. Three's tail twitched in their seat, and they spoke. Remember what I said to you in the corridor? Scylla nodded. We're all runaways here. Three glanced at Alvis, reprovingly. You don't end up with a number instead of a name because you came from healthy circumstances. So I'm going to level with you. This ship is safe for you and as far as we have the power to keep it that way. But we are not without our enemies. Freebooters don't make a lot of friends in high places. So I'm not as worried as my friend here, he gestured to Alvis, about corporate entanglements. Sensing protests, three held up a paw. Now, I understand what he's worried about. The way I see it, you just flipped a coin. Heads, you're in the clear. The inspector is too busy disentangling some local corruption to waste time chasing after his sources. Tails, our boy smelled prey. And you are in a whole heap of shit and made the kind of enemies you can't ever quite escape. What I want to know is what you plan to do once you got off that rock. You sure laid out quite the plot back there, but did you write an ending? Scylla shifted in her seat uncomfortably. She sighed, weighing her answer. I have my own money saved up. Strictly above board, nothing traceable to the colony's money troubles. I figured I'd write it out as far as I could. Try to get to Fed space, maybe. 
Riding off into the sunset only happens in the movies, kid, Alvis remarked. Three tilted their head and gestured toward Alvis in reluctant agreement. And what happens when you get to the next station and there's a dispatch bulletin out for you? Sila felt the urge to run, rising again. Oh, God. I mean, I, I know a few people. I could hide out, maybe. She trailed off, aware she sounded unconvincing even to herself. Tears started to well up in her eyes. Simon looked on in concern, his ears flat. Isla shook her head sympathetically. What do you think, Alvis? We got a wounded bunny, all alone in the woods. You fancy her chances? Alvis sighed gruffly, but nodded reluctantly. He turned to regard Scylla, gazing at the shaken rabbit. All right, all right. Damn it! His voice softened. Listen, kid. I look out for this ship and this crew, is all. But I trust my captain, and they say you're on board, which means I look out for you too. Three nodded. Scylla looked up sniffling and wiping her eyes. Welcome aboard, kid, they smiled. Want to join a pirate crew? Thanks for listening and for supporting queer science fiction. You can find a link to the original text of this chapter on AO3 in the show notes. This podcast is now available via Anchor, Spotify, and soon Apple Podcasts and many more, so please be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and never miss another episode. Safe flying!